listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. series that we're in right now is actually called The Gospel Explained. But before I get to the word, I do want to just share to all of us and encourage you. Uh, for all of us who are viewing this, I know that things have been so difficult, have been so difficult the past few weeks for all of us, not only in the Philippines, but actually around the globe. And we feel that. We realize that we are not in control. The reality is we never were. Only God is in control. We don't know what the future holds for us, but we know who holds the future. Amen. And we know that God is greater than this virus. God is greater than all the things that we're facing right now as a community, as a country, as families, and even as a, you know, as a, as a, the whole humanity in, in this world. I know that there's so many uncertainties. The reality is we're fighting this battle all together, all throughout, you know, in different areas, in different um, neighborhoods, in different cities, in different countries. We're all fighting uh, this battle all together. And we want to thank the doctors and the nurses and the, those who are medical practitioners. We want to thank you for your labor and just the commitment to be able to help treat those who are sick, um, scientists who are trying to find the vaccine for this virus. You know, they're working on that round the clock. We're grateful for, you know, people who are uh, out, there, out there in the front line, you know, caring for people, doing their uh, work to, 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 uh, to make sure that peace and order are actually uh, are present in every society, in every community that we are in. Uh, and so I wanna, we, we, would, we just want to give you a big thank you. Uh, you are heroes and we want to thank you for what you're doing. But somehow also the reality of this virus hit home. For many of us, we we hear nowadays that we are not just watching the news and hear that those people are getting sick, but, you know, people close to us are getting sick. And uh, I just received calls, you know, the, the past few days that, you know, loved ones are getting sick. In fact, uh, we did a, a, a memorial service. Unfortunately, two members of our church experienced death in their homes because of this COVID uh, virus. And so uh, it's heartbreaking and our hearts go to you. And so we, we've prayed for you and we've, we've stood with you. But, you know, this is the time really when they were actually just sharing their feelings. It was, it was incomparable, you know, the, the grief that they're going through because they can't even uh, go to the uh, crematorium where they're cremating their loved ones. And so it's difficult. We're not just reading statistics from DOH or WHO. This is real. This is, you know, somehow very close to home. But one thing I know is that Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And I, our prayer is that we will experience peace during this time wherein we are going through this difficult season of grief, um, battling sickness, fear, anxiety. We also heard of some people <clears throat> losing their jobs, you know, having difficulty as well uh, in the area of uh, providing for their homes, econ economics, uh, shutting down uh uh, operations in the company. Maybe some workers are losing their jobs because they're daily wagers. And when their companies close down, they, they also don't have jobs. But I want to remind all of us also that, yes, we are part of this. We're citizens of this country, but we're also citizens of the kingdom. And in that kingdom, our king is our father. And our heavenly father is good. Our heavenly father loves us. Our heavenly father cares for us. And our Heavenly Father wants to provide for our needs. He's also Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. And so, you know, as we go through this situation, 
whether you're a person who's sick right now, whether you're a person who's in need of finance, whether you're a person who's going through some you know, mental uh, problems, like you're getting depressed and you're getting anxious about all of these things, uh, let me assure you that God is on top of things. God is still in charge and God is doing something behind the things that we are seeing out there physically. He's doing something behind. And I believe that even after all these things uh, will come to pass, and these things are indeed temporary, these things shall come to pass. This too shall pass. And let me just encourage you, to. Uh, 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 we're all praying for you. We want to let you know that we are standing with you in prayer. And there's a church here that prays. There's, there's a church that, uh, community that cares for each and every one of us. And so I believe that this is the time where in the church of Christ will actually, you know, rise up and shine and show forth the glory of God in the way we care for one another, in the way we um, stand up and carry each other's burden. And so I just want to share this scripture. This is not yet the text that we want to look at today, but in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, this particular verse is just so real for us. It's so real for me right now. And even as we're going through this COVID situation, this lockdown, this enhanced community quarantine, you know, people are not able to go out of their homes. People are not able to visit their loved ones. You know, I want to visit my dad, but, you know, I only talk to him uh, even through uh, just the, the video calls. But yet the Bible says, do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not be scared. Do not be rattled. Do not be nervous. Do not be jittery. Do not be apprehensive. Uh, because in every situation, and including this situation of difficult times, this situation of lockdown, this situation of us going through this pandemic, that we are still able to find something to thank God for in thanksgiving. The Bible says in thanksgiving, in the, in the midst of all of this, how can we give thanks? You may actually ask me, Pastor, how can I give thanks during this time when, you know, I, I've lost my job and, you know, I have a friend who's sick in the hospital. But yet we can still give thanks to the Lord because God is good and His faithfulness will never end. You know, God is good. We can look back in a situation and, you know, we've been through so many things. As we started this year, the Ta'al eruption, you know, the different world problems, you know, those things have passed. And now we're facing another fight, another, you know, invisible enemy. This did not come from God. And I believe that though the enemy has meant this for evil, God will turn things around for the good. You know, the Bible says to present our request to God in thanksgiving. You know, whatever request it is, a prayer for healing, a prayer for uh, deliverance, a prayer for provision, a prayer for encouragement, a prayer for, you know, just restoration of relationship, whatever it is that you're crying out to God for, we are to approach him, approach his throne of grace, with confidence, because you can actually say that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You know, he makes me lie down in green pasture. You know, God is a good God. He's our shepherd. He's our heavenly father who cares. The Bible says to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. And then the, the Bible promises, and let the peace of God, it will reign in our hearts and in our minds. It will guard our hearts. The peace of God is uh, shalom. It means Nothing missing, nothing broken. It talks about your well-being. It talks about 
your entire uh, personhood, that God will take care of every area of our life and that it will guard us, our heart, our mind, from any, you know, anxiety, our you know, heart, that depression, you know, whatever, anxiety disorder. And so my encouragement for all of us this morning as we go through this service is just hang in there. In fact, if you're sitting beside your family members, just tell to that person, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your kids, tell your mom and dad, tell your siblings, hang in there. This too shall pass. You know, there's no explanation really what's happening around there, uh, around us. But we know that hope is here and help is on its way. We know that God is going to do something new and something great for all of us. You know, men and women in history learned this, that they need to endure different kinds of sufferings. Even the father of our faith, Abraham, you know, uh, when Paul was writing in, in Romans about his journey with God, he went through different kinds of difficulties, different kinds of trials, difficult times of uh, pain and suffering. Uh, you know, he, he went through famine, sickness, war, kidnap. Uh, of his of his nephew, barrenness of his wife, uh, even temptations and sin, uh, test of faith in sacrificing his son. And yet what he did was, you know, Abraham was an ordinary man just like us. There's nothing extraordinary about, about his faith. But one thing about Abraham is this. He never gave up on God. He placed his hand, I mean, his life in the hands of God. And that's exactly what I encourage us to do. Uh, today, that we are to put our hands, our, our life in the hands of the Almighty God. That we can actually just say, God, our life is yours. In fact, in Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 21, again, this is not in the text uh, for us this morning. It says here, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. And I hope that today as we come together in our different homes, in our different locations as a community of believers, and even for those of you who are joining us uh, live stream online, uh, we let us not waver in unbelief. Let us not question the promise of God. God is true. God is faithful. God is almighty. God is powerful. God is moving uh, on our behalf. And I believe that this too shall pass. And what the Bible says is, uh, is this, that, that Abraham was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham, as I said earlier, did not have a perfect faith. He just hang on to a perfect God. And may we also uh, you know, allow ourselves, allow our, allow our faith uh, as we are being tested right now, never to give up on the promises of God. And so at this point, let me just shift gears and let's move on to our actual sermon. I just want to share a very short word. I want to just make sure that everybody's, um, you know, encouraged that you are looking to God as our source of help and strength and our our text for this morning, really, you know, as, as we're going through this book of Romans, we are now on week number four of our series. And the series title is The Gospel Explained. We started four weeks ago where, when we started talking about the, the power of the gospel. When we started talking about the righteousness of God, the Son of God, the goodness of God, 
And uh, the key verse that we want to look at in these two verses really is the hinge of the entire book of Romans. And so if you want to study the whole book of Romans, the two verses, these verses that I'm going to be reading, are this is the thesis or, or somehow the, the, the foundation of this whole uh, book of Romans. And so in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation to those or everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now this is good news. We all want to hear good news. We all want to listen to good news. We're all tired of hearing bad news nowadays. You know, the good news is really the gospel. And this gospel is a story of Jesus. This gospel really is the, you know, the love of God is the grand narrative of God's love for his people. That, you know, from the time that Adam and Eve fell from the garden, he went on a mission to save humanity and to redeem mankind. And he sent his son Jesus to live a life we could have lived, we should have lived, and to die the death we should have died. And he actually took our place on that cross. Three days later, he rose up from the dead. And he is now offering salvation for those of us who would believe in his name and who would repent of our sins. And he gives us life everlasting. And so my question for us this morning is, where do we put our confidence today? Where do you put your trust in? You know, I want to read this two verses from Romans chapter 2. And this is where we want to camp on in the next uh, few minutes that we have together. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. These are the last two verses of chapter 2 of Romans. And it says here, the Apostle Paul was talking about uh, righteousness that the Jews had. It's almost like a self kind of righteousness. And so in verse 28, it says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And so the Apostle Paul is making a dissertation or a dialogue somehow. He was making his point, his thesis, that all kinds of people in the whole world needs the gospel. You know, in chapter 1, we've looked at the story of the uh, ungodly people and that somehow God's uh, anger has been aroused because of the humanity that somehow is not even caring for him. They try to suppress the truth. Uh, the second group of people that we talked about last week is really the moralist. These are the people who are seemingly good outside. They have a good sense of moral. But the problem with the moralist is actually they judge others. And we see so many people judging others nowadays even in social media, and there's a lot of bashing happening. People judging others, whether they're good people or bad people. We, we know that people say that someone is good. You know, they have a preference. For example, you know, our, our young passing mayor, Vico Soto, you know, people are saying this is a good mayor. And so they're actually uh, grateful for the endeavor that he's doing in, in that particular city. And so they're judging him as a good mayor. But yet people are judging others as not good. You know, they judge a particular center for breaking the protocol. And so, you know, sometimes people on social media can be so cruel. We can be judges. But yet, when we judge others, let's examine ourselves as well and say, 
with the same judgment that I give to others, am I also pointing a finger to myself? And so we talked about that last week. And today we're going to focus on the religious people. And the Apostle Paul is saying that, hey, when you talk about the gospel, when you talk about the power of God, you know, the power of God is not just the salvation for those who are ungodly. The power of God, the, the, this gospel is not just for those who are immoral and for those who are not, you know, recognizing uh, God in their lives. But even the moralists need the gospel. Even their religious people need the gospel. And now he's, he's now presenting to all of us through the second chapter that even the Jews themselves, the people who were called, you know, as the people of God, they need the gospel. They don't have special privileges, so to speak. They're not really God's favorite in a sense because God indeed opened the gospel for those of us who are Gentiles and uh, even the Jews because of their attitude towards Jesus. They might not be qualified if they don't repent as well. And so the Apostle Paul was talking about this and he was making an argument about this. He's trying to emphasize the need of the Jewish people along with the rest of the world of the gift of righteousness that God freely gives to all of humanity. And so, again, I want to go back to my question, where do we put our confidence in today? Do we put our confidence confidence rather in religion or do we put our confidence in God? In this section of the letter, Paul is warning the Jews not to put their confidence in their religion based on the law. And this is where we see that the Jews somehow have trusted in the law. They've put their confidence in their religion based on the law. And, you know, when you do that, there are two shortcomings uh, when you do that, when you put your confidence in religion based on the law. First shortcoming is religion actually brings self-righteousness. You know, in Romans chapter 2, verse 17, it says, but if you call yourself a Jew, and the apostle Paul himself is a Jew or was a Jew, he was also a Roman citizen, but yet he was talking to his, saint, his own people. And he was saying, but if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. So what he's saying is, guys, wake up. You know, I'm talking to you as well. This gospel that you are rejecting is really for us. This is for you, those who call yourself Jews. You know, the name Jew originally came from uh, the name Judah, this is the name of the southern kingdom when the two kingdom of uh, Israel split into the northern to the southern kingdom. The name of the south is Judah and the name of the north, the ten tribes, is called Israel. And yet uh, this name was taken when they went into exile in Babylon uh, and all the remainder or the, the remnant of the Jews were just called Jews because they are coming from the lineage of Abraham. And so the Jews consider themselves as a special people of God. And somehow, despite all the persecution that they went through, despite the exile, despite the uh, government in uh, the different nations over uh, overthrowing them and invading them, they still look to God as the one who saved them and the one who delivered them. And so somehow they're saying that God's special favor is upon them. They took pride about their heritage. They took pride with the law. They took pride with the fact that they have a Torah. They took pride that they are a people of the circumcision because that is a special sign of the covenant that God uh, gave to Abraham and all his descendants. They are proud that they have Torah. They have 16 uh, 
hundred laws plus before they actually looked at the new uh, started having the New Testament. And so even in our church today, you know, we can be just like the Jews and we can actually be religious about this. Maybe we can emphasize, you know, and, and in our church, we emphasize the reading of God's word. And that's great. We encourage everybody to read your Bible, to pray every day, to, to study the word, to be deep in the word. But if we will put our confidence just in the fact that we are reading the word and not put our confidence in a relationship with God, and also we might be like the Jews. It is important that we grow in our relationship with the Lord every single day. We must be careful to not just read the word just out of ritual. In fact, Jesus kind of rebuked the religious people in John chapter 5, verse 39 to 4, and allow me to read that. And he said this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In other words, religion does not bring life. It is a relationship with God that brings life. We're not going to heaven just because we memorize all the books of the Bible, nor we pray every day. We're not going to heaven because we're members of Victory or we're members of other churches. We're not going to uh, heaven just because we're doing good deeds right now. We're doing a lot of operation too long. We're, and this is so good. You know, you see humanity at work nowadays, but yet if you put your confidence in those things, that is not enough for us to attain eternity. Only by having a relationship with the Lord can we actually uh, be uh, citizens of the kingdom and we can have access to eternal life. We only have eternal life. We can only have life by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing about religion is religion brings a false sense of security. First, as we've heard earlier, religion can actually bring us or give us self-righteousness. The second thing about religion, the downside of religion is it can give all of us a false sense of security. That's exactly what happened to the Jews. In Romans chapter 2, verse 25 to 27, it says, For circumcision, and he's now talking about you know, this covenant that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps keeps the law will condemn you who have had the written code and circumcision but break the law. You know, the people who are religious, the religionists think that by just by following the law or just by having rituals that they get God's praise in God's approval. For example, for the Jews, being circumcised and just keeping the law uh, is it. That just by doing that external thing, that somehow they have gained preference with God. And for us as Christians, we can actually look at certain sacraments like maybe baptism or fasting or even prayer, you know, as a ritual that actually allows us to gain access to God. But the reality is God intended circumcision to, for the Jews as an internal commitment to God. Something that is done physically or externally should have an internal manifestation coming from the heart. It is not about the external form of, of circumcision that's important, but it's really the internal part uh, or, or internal form coming from the heart. In fact, the external circumcision is done by human hands, cutting of the flesh. I'm familiar with that. 
but internal circumcision is done by the Holy Spirit because it's a cutting of the heart. In this particular area, when the Holy Spirit cuts uh, a portion of our, 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 not cut our heart physically, but, you know, the circumcision of the heart, it means that, you know, he's cutting off the, the work of the flesh and he's giving us a new life. He's actually working on us so that we can actually uh, repent of our sins and be broken from the power of sin. What is important to God is obedience coming from the heart and not just empty rituals. I want to say that again. What is important to God is not merely rituals, but it's really obedience coming from the heart. In fact, in, in Matthew 15 verse 8, Jesus rebuked the people about the, religious, the, the religiosity and they say, he said that these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Sometimes we may put security just by going to a certain church or maybe by doing things religious, uh, religious, religiously. Uh, and the Apostle Paul was explaining that the Jews were born in the right family. They may be in the right location. They may be doing the right activities. But if their hearts are not right with God, then their religion is meaningless. You know, the world today is going through a lot of different sufferings, particularly in this pandemic. We're facing an economic recession. and There's a lot of, you know, uh, just difficulty happening in, in, in different parts of the globe. Even here in the Philippines, uh, nationally, we're, we're facing this. And what's encouraging is that we get to see pictures of people, you know, going out of their way to help. You know, uh, humanity somehow is rising up and is reflecting the image of God. And I, I was sharing this with my family uh, in one dinner the other night. And my youngest daughter is saying, oh, here we go again. My dad is saying again, Imago Dei, uh, the image of God. But the reality is, indeed, we see the image of God uh, now being reflected into humanity because, you know, the goodness of God, people who don't know him, people who know him, you know, because of the innate nature of God in us. You know, God is a benevolent God. God is a good God. God is a generous God. He's a giver. And we see that happening uh, in different areas of society. You know, we have different projects. And that is so encouraging. And I want to thank God for that. Many frontline heroes. All these things are good. But I want to tell you this. This can never replace a relationship from God that God desires for us to have with Him. We may try to be good. We may try to reach out to people. We may try to put our faith in our religiosity. But the reality is we can only find salvation by having a relationship with our Father. So I want to end with this. Confidence in our relationship with the Lord really brings salvation. Romans chapter 9 verse 29, it says, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. You know what? You and I are made to have a relationship with God. All these things that we practice in church, all these things that are part of our religion, they are necessary to remind us that you know there's a big God, an awesome God, a sovereign God who rules over our lives. And somehow rituals are meant as a a form of a reminder. Yeah, we're going to have communion in a while. And it's it can be a, a ritual because we do this monthly. But yet, 
if we put our faith just in the symbols, then we're, we're missing the point. The symbols are the signs point to the true God and the one that we worship. And so the word points to the true God. The prayer that we have should point to him. You know, the church that we have, you know, the community that we have reflects who God is, that he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, united, three persons in one. And so today I believe that God wants to enjoin us. He's inviting all of us to come and have a relationship with him. My last point, my main point really is this. True, true obedience from the heart is an outflow of our genuine relationship with God. Let me say that again. God is, you know, not wanting us to just have rituals, but he wants us to have true obedience. And true obedience from the heart is an outflow of our genuine relationship with God. Once again, the question I want to pose to us this morning is this. Where do we put our confidence in? Jesus is inviting us to have a relationship with him. And I believe that today he is knocking on our doors and he's knocking there. He's standing at the door knocking and he's asking us, would you let me in? I want to come into your heart. And I, want to, uh, I want to dine with you and sup with you. And I want to have fellowship with you. Allow me to just pray for us. And I want to invite everybody to bow our heads and close our eyes all across uh, the different location. In your home, I want to just encourage you to Pray with me. For those of you who are uh, not yet uh, born again, the Bible says that born again is not a religion. In fact, Jesus one, one night said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Being born again is having a genuine relationship with God. And if you want to be saved, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in other words, if you want to have a relationship with God, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray it from your heart. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I repent because I am a sinner and I need a Savior and I want to invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for going to the cross and sacrificing your life so that I can be forgiven. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that he is raised from the dead and therefore today I know for certain that I am saved. And I want to have a genuine relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer. And Lord, wherever they are, they may be in their living rooms, they may be in their dining room, maybe in their bedrooms. But I thank you, Lord God, that your presence is with them right now. Reach out to them, Lord. And I also pray, God, that you would allow them to have the peace of God, the peace that transcends understanding may it guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For those of us who are believers as well, God, I pray, God, that you continually change our hearts and never allow us to put our confidence in religiosity, but allow us also, Lord God, to, so that every day we can nurture our relationship with you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord God, for this. We also pray for those who are sick even right now. Pray for your healing upon them. We pray for those who have experienced death in their, in their family, Lord God. We pray for your comfort. We pray for your grace. We pray for your strength, Lord God, in this time of grief. Father, we pray for those who are uh, in need of jobs, who lost their jobs and in provision, Lord God. We're crying out for your grace upon them as well. Your Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. We thank you, Lord God, for those who are working tirelessly, the frontliners, Lord God. Protect them 
And I also pray that you refresh them, Lord God. Give them a fresh, new vigor and strength even today. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst, God. And we declare that you are our sovereign Lord. You're still faithful and true. You're powerful and you care and you love all of us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.